Hello, and welcome to Tater Thoughts, and another a queen deep dive today. On my last episode, I went into great detail about Queen's fantastic number one hit, Another One Butts the Dust. <laughs> I cannot say it without singing it, just like so many of their songs. The titles must be sung. And today, we're talking about a song that I think is a little bit of a sleeper. When I was doing my research for this, I couldn't find a lot of information about it. Not from at least, well, except a handful of sources. But I couldn't find anything said about this from the boys themselves. Super sad about that. But of course, I have all the deets for you here today for a song that has grown on me a lot. This is one of those that when I first heard it, I was kind of like, okay, this is a jam. Yeah, I can get into this. It's kind of fun. But as the months, the years have gone by, this song has grown on me to the point where I regularly sing it to myself whenever. It is so much fun. And this is dive number 84. I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do when I hit dive number 100, which is going to be massive, triple digits. Wow. Anyway, this is dive 84, track four on Queen's eighth album, The Game, released in 1980. This is John Deacon's number. And yeah, he did Another One Bites the Dust as well. So his two numbers on this album are back to back. And it's quite the contrast going from the very funky, snappy, disco-influenced Another One Bites the Dust to this power pop, rock, rockabilly thing. Very nostalgic. This track makes you nostalgic for sounds of yesteryear. This is... Need Your Loving Tonight. An interesting enigma, this song, I think. And because you have this interesting juxtaposition of lyrics against this music that is so lively. But when you read the lyrics, listen to the lyrics, think about them independently. It seems like a bit of a contradiction. We're going to talk all about that. I do want to say something before I dive into the song specifically, this is just about my deep dives in general. You guys, somewhere along the line, I got off track a little bit, I think, because when I did these early on, I was very focused on the music and how it felt and the structure of it. And I was less concerned about some of the quotes or the cool facts behind it. That's not to say that isn't interesting or worthwhile information. No, I simply mean that my affinity for the music itself, I think, has started to wane. This is also a byproduct of, yes, I'm not the, I'm not as big a fan of 80s queen as I am of 70s queen. It's easy for me to be super enthusiastic and completely ecstatic about their 70s, especially their early work, simply because. I'm such a fan of that vibe. So I want to get back to that enthusiasm for the music itself. I don't want to worry too much about, oh, do I have enough facts? Do I have enough interesting info? No, I don't want to do that. I want to get into the celebration of the music itself more again. I want to start doing that. So I apologize if I went in a direction that you were like, you know, because <laughs> I felt that way. 
But here I am, I'm back. I was thinking about it I was as I was getting ready for this dive in particular. So we're going to do that today. We're gonna to talk about this song and celebrate it because yeah, I've kind of fallen in love with it. Need your loving tonight. Yes, John Deacon's number. And this was a single, was a single despite the fact that I don't read a lot about it. I don't see a lot said about it. I don't see comments from a lot of fans about it. This is one of those songs from John that I think needs more love. And that's why we're going to celebrate it today. It was released November 18th of 1980 and it charted at number 44. Now that's, you have to put this into perspective. The album had been out since the summer. So this was a little bit of an afterthought, maybe as a single release. I don't know. I don't want to make those assumptions. But the fact that it charted at 44 in the US, you know, it charted. And I think that this speaks to the general population, the US their attention was on Queen a little bit more because of Another One Bites the Dust. And I think this song and its energy is somehow something that the audience would connect with on this side of the pond. I don't know, I just get that feeling. We're at 138 beats per minute, a very healthy tempo, a very rockin' tempo, time signature of 4-4, and E major key. It's very interesting, I noticed... The previous number, another one but the dust, is in E minor. So it's an interesting contrast with John's hit before this. And here we are in E major. I don't know, that just jumped out at me. I thought that was an interesting fact. And I wonder if it was intentional. Because songs are often put in a key for specific reasons, you guys. An artist or a band will write a song in a key compose in a specific key because it's comfortable, because they like to work in that key. Brian has talked a lot about keys that are difficult for him to play in that Freddie liked to compose in. So it's interesting to see how different they were when it comes to songwriting and why they chose specific keys. But there's a lot of science, I suppose, and maybe some gut feeling as well that goes into the selection of the key for a song. And I've done this myself when I'm writing songs. Sometimes I'll shift them a half step or a whole step. Sometimes I'll do an even more drastic change, and it makes all the difference. You'll have expert songwriters come in and say to someone working on a song, uh-uh, that needs to be in this key, and I'll tell you why. And they talk about the chord transitions and why it's more effective and meaningful if it's in a specific key. It's very interesting. I could talk about that in a whole other episode, but let's get back to, ooh, I need your loving tonight. Here we go. This is all I ache for you. This is a heartbroken tune. It's a really sad breakup disguised as a relaxed kiss off or at the very least a mutual separation. And I wanna talk about that a little bit here. We'll talk about it through this dive. These lyrics on paper, super tender and sad. And you could hear in your mind if you're not familiar with the song and its melody, and its style, it would be easy to imagine this, sung by Freddie in a much softer tone, a regretful tone. But no, when you hear this, it's all jiving and ecstatic. 
and energized. It, it feels like a very strange mash of these. It's almost like the narrator is trying to convince himself that he can be that casual about this ending of this relationship. That's what it feels like. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. In fact, I, I love this song. So I think the energy of this song is fantastic. It's just an interesting way to express those sentiments, those emotions. Because this is totally energized, jiving, a retro rocker with very polished production. Need Your Loving Tonight is one of the rockiest moments on the game and one of the most entertaining. We get all three marvelous voices, Freddie, Brian, and Roger, in our ears this time with the backing vocals. So it's a little bit of a throwback to earlier Queen songs in that respect. Brian in particular stands out in those rich harmonies. I hear him a lot. It's interesting because a lot of times when the guys are layered, in songs, vocally, Roger's voice jumps out at me. But here, Brian's the one who, in the harmonies, I'm like, that's Brian. And especially before his very lively solo, I hear him in those chromatic arrangements. We'll talk about that. Freddie's voice. Oh, it shimmers here. It's so natural and effortless, so pure full of life. I would say it's less forceful. It's a little bit more humble, almost, if that's possible. Tempered, tender. There's other comments I've read about how Freddie, this seems to be such a natural place for him vocally, and I would agree with that. He sounds completely relaxed here, vocally. He's not trying to have an edge. If you compare this against another one bites the dust before it, such a change in the approach and the performance here but it works so well, crystal clear. John doubles up on the melodies on bass. We expect that, especially since this is his composition. And he gives us acoustic guitar, driving the chord developments with Brian on his lovely electric guitars, Red Special. Power chords, there's a lot of soul here, warming up in the layered harmonies from the boys. Surprising variations on the verse-chorus structure, bridges thrown into the mix, literally, where we least expect. It's a John songwriting trademark, actually. Roger's drums sound fabulous here. You can really hear that hi-hat snap on the snares. That's his thing. Plenty of cymbals, one of my loves. His fills on the toms are a fantastic addition of weight to the frequencies in the song. We've got lots of uses of fourth, fifth chords that create generally a more predictable and less complex arrangement. It's simple, repetitive even, but the syncopation, the anticipation of sound, the lively energy is enough to get you up and moving. So for all its sadness in lyric, this song is nothing but jazzed and warm in its style, playful, fun, addicting. Need your loving tonight sneaks up on you. Sneaks up on you and I think digs into you a little bit and doesn't let go. And that's what makes it so fun. This song was played 41 times through 1980 and 81. And it effectively replaced If You Can't Beat Them on tour set lists. Also a John composition. 
And from their jazz album, Just Before the Game, released in 1978, Freddie dabbles on piano live. Roger would chime in on harmonies at the end of the verses. There's definitely an angrier edge to the live performances. I especially feel this in the performance from Brian. There's a lot more distortion, heaviness in that guitar. He really digs in on this song. That bridge, it's very intense, very deep, growling. And Freddie bouncing to the piano during Brian's solo, filling in for that absent rhythm guitar, which was not played live. This is very solid in nearly every performance I've listened to. Nothing to complain about. Their energy is there. But this kind of feels a little bit like an afterthought somehow, and I want to elaborate on that. I got that feeling even before I read comments on these videos, that sometimes some of these compositions, especially from John, when the guys play them live, they feel a little bit lackadaisical doing so sometimes. And that's, again, nothing is wrong with their performance. They do it very well. But this is also because they're so practiced they're so on top of it. They're so in tune with each other, literally. At this point, they are on their absolute top game when it comes to performing live. They've always been good. And this moment in the 80s, the early 80s here, I think some people, especially for Freddie's vocals, say this is some of their best stuff they ever did live, these performances in that time frame. But whenever I listen to... I should say often when I listen to or watch a performance of one of John's songs that wasn't a huge hit, you know, not like another one bites the dust, or later we get, you know, I want to break free. These songs feel a little bit like the guys are just going through the motions. It's very strange. And that happens not just with John's songs on occasion, but with some of the other songs as well. And, and I don't know if it's a subconscious thing. They're thinking, okay... Is the audience not responding to this as much? You know, we didn't have as, as much success with this because I've talked about the importance of a set list and putting together a set list that makes sense. And it gets harder and harder the more songs, the bigger your catalog. It gets really tough to trim down everything that you don't want to play going forward because of course you want to play the stuff that people know. You want to play the stuff that people know, that they're going to celebrate, that they're going to enjoy. And I don't know if they just weren't feeling it as much. If there was a little bit of tension around the decisions made. Well, what songs are we going to play? Did they flip coins? No idea what their process was for the selection of those set lists. But I always wonder about it because every once in a while, like I said, with songs like this one, as well done as they're performed, it feels a little bit lackluster. Oh my gosh, in comparison to some of their other tracks played live, Dragon Attack. I could go back to something older like Liar. There's so much fire and enthusiasm from seemingly every single one of the guys during those performances of those songs. But here, again, as spot on as they are, as perfectly done as it is, it just doesn't have quite the same ecstatic stage presence this song and maybe it's the song itself some songs simply sound better in the studio version 
There are moments in Queen's catalog, and I've mentioned them before, where they're almost better live. But maybe this song is an instance where the studio version is where it's at, where it's at. Some fun facts about Need Your Loving Tonight. John plays bass and acoustic guitar here. Yes, such a common theme for the composer of a song to play more than his main instrument. Roger is big in that aspect, and John has done the same thing as well. This was released as a single, not just in the US, but also in Canada, New Zealand, Japan, the Philippines, and Argentina. I discovered that little tidbit of info, I think on Discogs. I was looking up information about charts, and I happened to come across some other release serial numbers, and I realized this song was released as a single in other countries, and that's where I got the list. This was one of the first songs to add a reverb effect to Freddie's lead vocals. I don't know if you've noticed that. The guys were always big on room ambience. They didn't like to put a lot of EQ effects on after the fact. They'd go into a studio and play and work with the acoustics of the studio to equalize everything. They weren't sitting there adding a lot of effects afterward. But if you listen to Freddie's voice, there's a little bit of a reverb, which some critics find a little bit distracting or odd. I think the only reason it might sound that way is because it's an anomaly on a Queen song. Again, we've never really had that added. We don't have a lot of heavy reverb, guys. I love reverb. I'm a little bit of a reverb junkie. Myself, it is very hard to dial back the echoes and the reverbs. I love that effect. It adds such an incredible space and a boundlessness. No boundaries. I love that feeling in a song that's so expansive. And we don't ever get that from Queen, but here there's just a touch of it added on for texture or warmth or something. I can't really figure out what the intention was, but it is there. Also, the punchy, concentrated sound of the snare drum was achieved through Max, producer Max, miking technique of one mic on the side of the drum, as opposed to one mic down on the, the head of the drum and then one underneath, right? Matt came in and said, you don't need to use so many mics. You can do it like this. And Brian and Roger have both talked at length at various times in their career as a band about what Mac did for their production strategies and processes. And this was just one of those instances. No comments from the boys. Super sad about that. I can't tell you how bummed out I am that I could find nothing said about this song. And I really dug deep. But needless to say, nothing to say. Guys had nothing to say about Need Your Loving Tonight. But I do have some critics' comments. And in a stark contrast, I actually have more praise than criticism for this song. Steve Pond of Rolling Stone, when reviewing the entirety of the album, The Game, he wrote, quote, even Need Your Loving Tonight, the finest of the rock and roll numbers here, keeps tripping over its sluggish power chords, unquote. Washington Post wrote about several songs on the album The Game. This was one of them. They wrote about this song, XYZ, and Need Your Loving Tonight are heavy metal rock and roll efforts, none of which have any distinct passages to separate them 
from hundreds of other bands. Unquote. That's pretty harsh, especially considering the uniqueness of Queen's approach and their style. Prague Archives rates this song with an average of 2.8 out of 5, but to be fair, there aren't that many ratings on it, and I think this goes back to this song not being nearly as popular as some of the band's and John's other work. Stephen Thomas Erlewine of All Music, I've mentioned him several times in my Queen Deep Dives, in his summary for the game, wrote, quote, usually when they want to rock here, they wind up sounding like Boston as they do on John Deacon's Need Your Loving Tonight, unquote. But oh, the praise, the praise, the praise, the praise. This song, surprisingly, even though it's not as well known as many others, is on many best lists. And retrospective reviews are far kinder in general, calling this a bop and a great rocker. MC Headcase on RateYourMusic.com listed this at number 28 on his list of top 30 Queen songs, calling this better than Crazy Little Thing. Writing, quote, I personally prefer this Beatles pastiche from that same album. Need Your Loving Tonight may have a more harder-edged guitar than most Beatles songs, of course, that being the work of the awesome Brian May. The topic of a man trying to get back in his ex-girlfriend's good graces is pure Beatles, unquote. In 2018, Gary Graff of Billboard magazine put this at number 20 on his list of top 25 Queen songs, writing, quote, a riffy garage-tinged tune from bassist John Deacon that shows Queen could elevate even the most basic rock song into a something many bands would be happy to include on their greatest hits, unquote. Fans celebrate this as a power pop gem, infectious, and an album highlight, the comments I was able to find. Because again, not many people talk or write about Need Your Loving tonight, save those few mentions that I was able to find. That comment about elevating even the most basic rock song, so spot on, so perfect in that kind of analyzation. I would absolutely agree with that. The guys give it a spin only they can give it. And it's not mediocre. It's not forgettable. You know, this song sticks. That's why I keep singing it all the time. Even though it's repetitive, we're starting to figure out as Queen goes into the more rhythm-driven, more repetitive arrangements of the time that they still got it and they can do it incredibly well. Crash, yeah, it's all symbols and heaviness, this song. And this rockin' and syncopated riff, we're going to hear it countless times. Throwback, retro, hey, 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 bouncy and delightful. The heavy guitars layer along with that jangling acoustic rhythm guitar. It makes the song, really, puts that stamp on it. There's almost something bluesy about this. The bent notes. The minor thirds we occasionally hear. It's very bluesy. No, I'll ever look back in anger. More of that same riff, yes. Bass, guitar, all wrapped up together on that melody and those power chords. 
You promised me you'd keep in touch. I read your letter and it hurt me so much. Those fourth and fifth chords. It's the first time we really deviate from the riff. These lyrics don't sound like the happy and cheery thing we're hearing, right? You promised me you'd keep in touch. I read your letter and it hurt me so much. In my mind, I can hear a ballad version of this. That's where my brain goes. These lyrics could easily sit in a melancholy ballad from Freddie or John for that matter, but they're effortlessly delivered with this pure crystal clear tone from Freddie. The drums sound great. I wanna emphasize that. This new way of miking the drums is working well, just like that. Verse two bursts in and we're moving fast. I read your letter so many times. I got your meaning between the lines. More sad reflections delivered beautifully by Freddie. I said I'd never, never be angry with you. That little closing phrase, assuring but regretful, sincere. There are subtle vocals, maybe from Brian. They're buried at the end of these phrases and try as I might, I cannot make out exactly what's being said or sang. And that happy little riff keeps on. But this closes out with a little bookend of unified guitar and bass and a snappy snare from Raj into the bridge we go. Maybe my favorite moment. I must be strong so she won't know how much I miss her. This chord creates such tension and anticipation. And that variation of the riff we now know appears almost with a minor inflection, loving Brian's growls and glissandos, those bent notes, that bluesiness coming out. John is pulsing pretty furiously during this section, aggressive and loud. And if I see you with another guy, I'll eat my heart out because I love, 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 love her. I really enjoy that moment and the interplay between the instruments and Freddie's vocals. Ooh, I need your love and tonight That's the first time we've heard the title Like halfway through the song Interesting to hold it back until now And as we get it, we get more John Unrelenting and repetitive eighth notes The drums crash and drop out The beat is kept for a moment with a knock on a guitar Or so it sounds, but we're not done yet Ooh, I need your love and Ooh, I need your love and Okay, maybe this is my favorite moment with all the boys singing those harmonies. And it's a nice surprise of melodies and harmonies here. Soulful and longing, yearning and totally wanting. All the instruments crashing on power chords in unison with some syncopation for good measure. Pun. <laughs> Definitely reminiscent of songs of yesteryear, the 60s especially. Some chromatic vocals in the back. This is the moment where I said I can really hear Brian. The buildup that crescendos as Freddie's sneakily pleads, hit me. It's like falling down into a spiral of sound as the drums pound back in and the guitars wind up. And Brian is all here in his solo, ringing out something we could definitely sing. Roger isn't to be outdone, though, with more cymbals and intensity than before. John is fully present in those bass frequencies. The last verse, the last chorus, just as joyful, exciting as before, and it ends like the phrases before it. A simple dropout down the scale. And a crash. So good. Need your loving tonight. I think to say that the guys could elevate something like this which is so simple in its structure, 
the guys could effortlessly encapsulate the style of the time with crisp production and approaches that were more modern. And they did it so well, it's incredibly effective. It's fun. It's perfection. This is an example of the guys taking on a style, whether it was entirely conscious or something that just happened because of the structure of the music and absolutely knocking it out of the park. Because yeah, the critics at the time lambasted Queen for their inability to fit into that mold or fit that role. I read it in several breakdowns of the album, The Game. The guys were criticized for trying to be something they weren't, trying to put on a cap, trying to put on a jacket that just didn't fit, if you will. But I think the guys come screaming out with this and do a remarkable job in this fun little number that is surprisingly melancholy in its lyric structure, but really fun to sing, honestly. This would be probably a karaoke favorite of mine, and I definitely enjoy it on the regular. So check out Need Your Loving tonight. Listen to some live performances. And I'd be curious to know if you think that the enthusiasm is a little bit lost on this one for whatever reason. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I informed, influenced your decision already. But try to go in with an unbiased perspective and see what you think. But I'll be back next time. Keep yourselves alive. I'll be back talking some more. Queen and some other stuff too. I have some ideas about different topics I want to touch again. One of them is quite serious. So serious, yes. And I'll get to that one soon enough. But guys, have a great rest of your day, night, and all that jazz. Stay happy and healthy. And I'll be back again. <laughs>